it feel like to have that like build up to my sermon. Like if y'all have ever seen Stranger Things season four, it's like this really momentous moment as it's building up and they're like in the car ready to defeat the villain and this song is playing. I'm just like, wow, that feels amazing. I want to know what that feels like. No, so we have a reason as to why we do anything, but man, I just got to give it up. Um, Josh and, and Dylan, I don't know if you know, if you were at the worship night, but they just put on an amazing worship night. And then I'm like, hey, could you guys just do this song by like Journey who has like this insanely high range? And they're like, let's do it. And so the worship team we have here, I hope you guys know it's special. Like this isn't, this isn't common that they can pull these types of things off. And, and so we get to be so blessed by that worship ministry. And, and I hope in some small way um, when we do a song like this, it can help you think about God in a different way. And that's what we try and do with these songs. Uh, today, we're starting our new series. So I'm super pumped for this series. It's about Jonah. And I'm sure many, I'm out of breath just listening to them. I don't know why, but man, it was just, it just energized me up. But anyways, uh, we're talking about Jonah. I'm talking to, Jonah is all about trusting God, okay? And, and I don't know about you, but I feel like that can relate to me in all areas of life. And so the next four weeks, us as the teaching team, we're going to share with you different areas of life where we're going to be pushed to f- trust God. But today, we got to start at why should we trust God in the first place before we get to the times in life where we're going to be challenged to trust God. And so today I want to talk about this. And first I just wanted to share with you a quick story of some trust that I had to learn and some trust that really forced me to put put my trust in God over uh, myself. Because I'm a control person. I like to know the next step. I want to know the next step. And I, w- I want to see what's going to happen next. And if you know anything about God, if you've had a faith, you know that's not how he works. He gives you the next step. He doesn't give you all of the steps. And so it really does take a lot of trust to have a faith in God. And that's a beautiful thing, but it's a challenge because trust is difficult. It's not easy. But we want to talk about it today because all of us have gone down paths in our life where we feel like everything's going well, everything's going great, and it all blows up in our face. And everything goes wrong, and everything's not working well anymore. And we just go, what happened? I thought I trusted you, and this might be that you're trusting God, or it might be you're trusting someone else. I thought I trusted you, and it all fell apart. Well, I can tell you guys from my my own personal stories of a time where I felt exactly like this. Um, I was about to graduate college. Um, As y'all are aware, this thing COVID hit. It meant we couldn't graduate at college. We had to do everything else online. All of this stuff and this madness on top of that, I was about to get married to my beautiful wife, Caroline. I thought I had a job lined up, and I thought I knew exactly where we were going to live and what we were going to do. And then I got a call, and I'm at Caroline's parents' house living with them through COVID. And they're like, hey, uh, you didn't get the job. And I was taken aback. And, and this isn't, you know, you can get rejected by jobs and, and live your life. But this was a little more personal I had known everybody at this uh, church for the past like three to five years, and so it felt really personal when I was being told I would get the job, and then I got told I didn't get the job. But the most amazing thing happened. In my pursuit of trying to find the right place for me, God came in and found the right place for me. See, because I applied to over 100 positions in a span of about two to three months, 
Um, I applied to every single thing I could see because I was trying to do everything myself because I thought if I just got my name out there enough, one job would come through. Well, let me tell you, not a single job came through there, but the one job that did come through was because I had a ministry connection with another guy who was moving on from a church in Maryland and told the pastor that I would be a good replacement for him. Now, on top of that, I think in this retrospect now, as you all know, I'm here today. If I had never gone to Maryland, then I would have never come back here to the Point Church in Fort Wayne. I would have been where I originally thought I was going to be. And so in retrospect, man, I am so happy I'm here today. You guys may be happy. You might not be happy. No, you're all happy, right? Yeah, yeah, no, just kidding. You can just, just keep those thoughts to yourself. Uh, you know, that's all that matters. But no, seriously, God has just blessed me and my wife. This church family, this place is special, and I really do believe we're seeing God doing some amazing things here. And so I love that I'm here. But I wish I could have said that I trusted God more in those times in my life. See, because the biggest decision I had to make with where me and my wife were going to go after college, and I was trying to do it all myself. I was trying to control it. I was trying to make that decision. But I wasn't really trusting God. And so I say this all because I'm sure you guys have experienced similar times in your life where you've really got to trust God. Man, where you, you're really challenged right now to put everything into him. And so we want to talk about trust because it's going to start this conversation of how do we trust him in different areas of our lives for the next four weeks. And so this word trust, it affects so much of the things we say and so much of the things we do, and it will be central to our study through Jonah. Man, I want to give you a definition to start this out. Trust, simply stated, it's a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone or something. And I remember this definition every single time that I step onto a roller coaster. If you know what I'm talking about, I'm not afraid of roller coasters, but I'm afraid of what happens if the roller coaster doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if that comes out... And I'm going down like 100 feet. I'm flying out of that roller coaster, and it is not going to end well for me. And so I think about this idea, this definition of trusting in the reliability and the strength of something. And so it matters more when these things are big things in our life, things that can affect our futures. Y'all came today, and you sat in a chair. And you trust the reliability of that chair. It has not proven to be something that breaks on you constantly or that you can't trust. You trust it because it's something simple and it's something easy. But how about when you have to trust in the really challenging, difficult, big decisions in your life? Who do you trust then? Can you trust people then? How do you get through those choices in your life? Choices of career, choices of family, choices of moving your whole family across the country, choices of faith, choices of finances, all of these big choices in our lives. How do we trust him with this stuff? Because that's the big stuff. And most importantly, the biggest thing that you have to answer is do I trust God with my eternity? Not just my now, but what happens when I die. Do I trust him with that? And so it's difficult because that's a big thing. That's the biggest thing. And so what I want to look at today is how... We can trust in God, and, and we're going to talk through three filters that will help us understand uh, trust, and we're going to walk Jesus through these filters to show you, hopefully, why he is the most trustworthy person and God 
that there is. There is no one that compares to him. And so I want to show you guys why. And then I want you to answer for yourself that why am I not trusting if once I've given you all this information, okay? So first filter that we have is someone's history. And when we look at someone's history, it's telling of their future. Now, I realize I'm saying that to a church in which we have all been redeemed by Christ or can be redeemed by Christ. And so obviously there are things from our past that God has transformed, but that's a part of our past too. When we see that this person turned their life to Christ, we see part of their history there and we see how it affects them. And so when we look back at someone's history, we get an understanding of what they will be like now and in the future. You know, uh, I think a lot of people talk about why history matters. It's important to understand the history of our nation and our world because if we don't, then we don't learn from it. And so in the same way, we learn from people and how they acted in the past, and it tells us what type of person they will be in the present and the future. So how does Jesus hold up to this standard? What happens when we look at the past that was said about him, the present when he lived, and now the future after he has risen what does it say about him? Well, first things first, if you know the Old Testament is all writing about the prophecy and stories leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ and the story of Jesus Christ. The, the separation between the prophecy Jeremiah gave about a king who would one day come to that prophecy being fulfilled was 700 years. How many of y'all can keep a promise? Maybe just me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. If the promise was never to take another drop of sugar. How long could you all keep that promise? For me, I already broke it because I was drinking coffee with a bunch of sugar in it earlier. Uh, but, you know, there's promises that are really difficult to keep. But let's just say, let's just say there's someone out there who never has a drop of sugar and could keep that promise. How long would that promise last? It would last until you die. We have an expiration date. I don't know if you know this. But one day we will die. And I'm not saying that in a sad way, but just in the reality way, that we will die one day, and that will be the end of us being able to keep a promise like that, because we no longer can keep a promise. If, well, I guess we'll never eat any more sugar. But uh, So a promise can be kept for a lifetime, but I want you to understand that this promise was kept for not just one lifetime, but seven lifetimes. And beyond that, there's other things talked about Jesus all the way back in Genesis that are fulfilled then when Jesus is born and going through his story uh, that we get to see in the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. And so if we're going to look at someone's history and how it corroborates who they are now, I would say that a 700-year promise that then is fulfilled is a, is, a, is a look into someone's trustworthiness, right? Because if someone did keep a promise, a big promise with you, you would start to trust them more. Well, it was said that he would be the king. He would be the one who gives us eternity, who gives us that opportunity, and it happened, and he did it. And so when we look at his history, we get to see that his history proves him to be of good character and of trustworthiness. And even when we look, we just, we just did a whole series called The Story of Jesus. We looked through his life on earth, we looked through the man and character that Jesus was. And man, I was honestly just taken aback. Like, how can he be this good? 
How can he have such a great character and posture amidst so much persecution and hate against him? How can he continue to show such grace and love and mercy in a time when people want him dead? How did he do that? Well, friends, it's great because he was Jesus. He was perfectly man and perfectly God, and that's how he did that. But his character, his story, it is beautiful, and when we look at his history, we see the type of person he was and Hebrews 13.8, this verse is so important in understanding why. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so this tells us that nothing about him changes, which leads us to be able to read about a book written 2,000 years ago and know that he is the same character today. See, if you believe this book to be truth, then you have to believe the words it says. And so when it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means that he has not changed and will never change. And so we get to look into the stories of Jesus, the stories of the Bible, and understand his character, who he is, and we get to realize that he's the same today, and he will never change. It's, it's why you can learn from the Bible. And, and in case you're wondering, Jesus Christ I believe this wholeheartedly. He was a man who lived and walked on this earth. And I don't just believe that because I have faith. I believe that because there's 24,000 plus manuscripts corroborating the story of Jesus. And on top of that, there's manuscripts outside of biblical scholars who also corroborate the man Jesus in history. And so if you're going to believe someone else lived in history back then, you have to believe that Jesus also did that same thing. And so then you're left with the choice of who was Jesus, who was this man, because he did walk on this earth. He was on this planet. And so what was he? Was he just another guy? Or was he perfect? And was he God? But if we look at the history of Jesus, I would say that he passes the filter of history. Not only that, but when we go back and look at our filter of history, I don't know if we're passing, guys. Because when I look at back at my history, when I look back at the things I've done, I'm not very happy <laughs> with what it says I'm going to do in the future. And the only thing that changes that is God. Now, our second filter is someone's integrity. And integrity is one of the most important tests in understanding if you can trust someone. See, because somebody's integrity, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be also dishonest with much. And so someone who has a good character, who has a good integrity, doesn't just get trusted with the little things, but can be trusted with the big things. And vice versa, there's some people in life whom you can only trust with little things because if you trust them with the big things, they let you down. And so his character, his integrity, it needs to be perfect and impeccable if I'm going to trust him with my salvation, with my eternity. And so if you were to trust someone with your life, if you were to trust someone with your eternity, you really got to know if they're a person of integrity. And we see his integrity remain the same throughout all of Scripture. Now, if you had a sibling, I was the youngest of seven, so yes, I was the young sibling who got the better treatment from mom and dad and didn't get as many spankings. I'll just say it now so you first siblings don't say it. But uh, I just want you all to know, I was really good at knowing how to get under my sibling's skin, which you're like classic youngest child. But anyways, I knew how to really just annoy them, right? I knew the things that would make them tick. 
And so I would do it sometimes. I, I would frustrate them sometimes. <laughs> I would get under their skin. And y'all know, you're probably thinking of someone right now in your life who knows how to do that. Right? <laughs> they know how to get under your skin. For me, probably my wife Caroline, because she knows what ticks me and what doesn't. And so in your life, there's people who can get under your skin. In your life, there's people who you just don't like their style, and you're completely different, and you're like, that person frustrates me. My wife does not frustrate me. I want that to be known. I love her. Um, but there's people at work, there's people in life who, who just tick you the wrong way and get under your skin. Jesus dealt with this constantly. There were these guys named the Pharisees who continued to, to tackle him and pursue him and say, God, God, why this, why this, why this? Because they were testing his knowledge and seeing if they could find a way to imprison him and kill him. And yet everything Jesus said, they went, wow. And then they also went, we have no reason. To the point of the only reason they found to arrest him was all based off of a false pretense, was all based off of incorrect things. They couldn't find a right way to arrest this man because his integrity was just that good. He had done nothing in his life that would allow you to say, this man is bad, this man should be arrested, this man should be killed. And yet they found a way. On top of that, integrity is not tested in the good times of life. I think we all can agree on that. We see someone's true integrity come out in the worst times of life. Right? We want to know what happens when the baby is screaming in your face for the past three weeks. How are you going to treat that baby? Not when the baby's perfect, happy, and smiling and everything. That's easy. It's when the baby's screaming in your face and you don't know what to do. That your integrity is tested. It's in life when, when work is not easy, when your career, it feels like it's spiraling. That's when you're tested with your integrity. How do you hold true to the values God's given you rather than the values the world's trying to tell you to follow? And so in Matthew, we're not going to read it, but in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11, you can read it on your own, is when Jesus is tempted in the woods by Satan himself. And in this time, he is tested and tried with hunger with power. See, Satan starves him for 30 days, 30 nights, or 40 days, 40 nights. I'm not sure which one it is, but it's a lot of time. And then he asks him, well, do you just want bread? And he, he stays true to obedience to God and knowing that God, he does not live on bread alone, but he lives on Christ. He lives on God. And then on top of that, Satan challenges him, says, you can have all of this, and we're not looking out at the point church right now we're looking out at a massive valley of land and power and he says you could have all of this if you just give up what god's trying to tell you to do and he says no i will stay obedient to god my father because i know he has the best thing for me and so we see the integrity of christ challenged by satan by men who want him dead and we have to look at those stories and go this is a guy of integrity not just good integrity perfect integrity. See, because he remained true to what he said he was, what he said he was going to do through all tests of integrity. He was tested over and over and over again and came out with good, great integrity. And not only that, but I think one of the clearest signs that Jesus had such great integrity is that his integrity is contagious a great leader's integrity is contagious to those around them. And Jesus, man, if you look back in your life, how it was 
the morals you had, the values you had, and then you realize that when God, when I accepted God in my life, when I came to faith, how it changed me, how it made me better, how it took, for me personally, it took my thoughts of sin, it took my thoughts of temptation, and made them to thoughts of loving others, caring about others, bettering others, and he can do the same for you and has done the same for you. Because his integrity is so good that it's contagious to us. It's contagious for us to want to love those around us and to care about those around us because he did it for us. That doesn't mean it's not a challenge, though. Because integrity is not like a light switch that you can just turn on, right? It's something that someone looks through your whole life and says, who is this person? Is this a person of integrity? What decisions have they made to make themselves a better person of integrity, not a worse? And so when we look at his history and we look at his integrity, it's, it's flawless. And I'm not just saying that to puff it up. I'm saying go and look at it and you'll understand what I'm saying. It is perfect. That begs the question, though, we trust other people with bad history. We trust other people who do not have a perfect integrity. So what is stopping us from trusting God then? Well, what is holding us back from trusting him with everything if we're willing to trust other people with everything? But they fail. They fall. They aren't perfect. Well, I believe it comes down to our final filter, which is someone's motive. And why is this? Well, because motive is the question of why. I'm a person who needs to know why. I Sometimes on a bad level, we were playing a game with my sister this past weekend, and I got the rules wrong, and I thought you had to play it this way, and I was completely wrong, and they're like, no, it says in the rule book. And they read it out of the rule book, and I was like, I can't trust it. Can you give me the rule book? I need to read it for myself. And that's, like, that's, that's something I really got to work on, but I needed to know for myself the why. I needed to make sure that it said it on the words. I needed to know the why, and we want to know the why. In our relationships, we want to know, why are you a friend to me? Why are you so nice to me? Why are you so kind to me? Why do you love me? We want to know that in our relationships with other people. And so we want to know the why of God because it's clear, but I'll be honest, it doesn't make sense to me. And it's not that it doesn't make sense to me because it's confusing. It doesn't make sense to me because I wouldn't do that if I were him. See, God is perfect. He could do anything. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. Why would a God like that want me? Why would a God like that want to save me, want to love me, want to care about me? It doesn't add up. And yet, we look at his history, we look at his integrity, and we look at his motive, and we see a man who wants only that, who wants you, who cares about you so much that he is willing to sacrifice his own son for you, who wants you so much and yet restrains himself by letting you make that choice, by you coming to him, by you deciding if you want a faith in him. He loves you that much. His motive is that he wants to redeem you because he sees the good in you. He doesn't see the evil in you. No, he sees the good. He sees the potential. He sees the ability that you can do amazing things in his name, in his kingdom, and he wants you to be in heaven with him. And so his motive is clear, but guys, there's no one else here that has that type of motive for you. Even the person whom I love the most, we can have selfish motives for each other. 
we can have intent that we want something or that we need something out of this. And all of our motives often have that sinful intent or that desire for personal gain. Christ doesn't do this for personal gain. He actually does this for loss of things, loss of his son, loss of so much because he loves you that much. And so we look at his motives and we just go, wow. Why would a perfect God have a motive to say that? Well, it's simple. His history, his integrity, and his motive, they make up him. See what I did there? Uh, They make up who the person of Christ is. The person of God is they make up him. And and, and just once again, Hebrews 13.8, Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He can be nothing else but that. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to change his ways. He is God always and forever, and he loves you always and forever, and he wants you in his kingdom always and forever, and he wants you to trust him with everything always and forever. See, he wants to redeem us. And I was trying to think through, man, how could I get you guys to understand this a little bit more, how he looks at us versus what sometimes we think he looks at us? Because God... God knows that we have sin in our life. He knows that in order for us to come to him, we need to ask for forgiveness of that sin. But he doesn't focus on the sin in our lives. No, he focuses on the things we can do once we remove the sin in our lives, the potential we have when we get rid of the things that are holding us back, the sin that is holding us back. And I was able to think of this in that when I had my daughter, I remember leading up to it, this was... Oh, it was just a scary time in my life. See, because I didn't know I was ready for a daughter. I didn't plan to have a daughter, and I didn't know if it was something that I could do just yet. I didn't know if I could financially afford it. I didn't know if I'd be a good father. I didn't know if I'd be able to love her. And so it was just filled with fear over what would happen. But then I remember getting to hold my daughter for the first time. And if you're a grandparent or parent, you get to remember this now too. When you hold them, And the only thing you think about in that moment is how much love you feel for them. How deeply you want to do everything that is the best for them. And how much you want to help them in life to succeed, to do well, and most importantly, to love God. So (laughs) I remember looking at her because this reminds me of how Christ looks at us. He doesn't see something that's anxious or fearful. He sees something that is beautiful that he wants to love with everything, that he wants to give everything to. He loves you like a mother loves her daughter, like a father loves his daughter. And even more honestly, that's the closest example we can get to understanding how Christ loves you. But he loves you more than that. So this is what Christ sees in you. And so we got to ask, why should I trust God? his integrity, his history, his motive, they all line up to a God worthy of our trust. And when you're led to doubt him, ask that question. What is his history? What is integrity? What is his motive? And remind yourself of who a perfect God is, what he does, and how he loves you. And I'm encouraged and reminded of a verse in Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. It says, trust in the Lord with Not some, not a little bit, but all of your heart. And and do not lean on your own understanding. See, because in all your ways you should acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And it just reminds me 
of a song we just sang. They just did a special for it. It was an awesome song. But guys, I understand it's a song about two people in this world that love each other but are going separate ways. But I look at some of the lyrics here, and I see there's redeeming quality in even these lyrics. Because the song says that someday love will find you. And I'm not just talking about a guy or girl. I'm talking about a God who's looking for you, who wants you, and who loves you. And he's trying to find you. And guys, it will break those chains that bind you. See, Christ's miraculous power takes the sin that deserves hell, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He takes the wages and pays them for us so that we can be with him. And so he truly breaks the chains that bind us. And it's because true love won't desert you. Not some person, not something, but God. He, he has never left your side and he never will. The only time in which we feel distant from God is when we're distancing ourselves from God. He is always there. He always stays the same, and he always wants to be there for us. He loves us in such an amazing and beautiful way, and he will never desert you. He will never forget you. He always cares for you. But trust, it's difficult. It's because it's about relying on yourself less and others more. And that's not easy. I, I say it this way. Trust is difficult to give and easy to lose. Right? We know a lot of people in our life whom we've trusted with and they've broken that trust. We know a lot of people in our life whom we thought we could trust and they betrayed us. Well, I just want to illustrate something for you guys because I think there's different types of trust in life. And so I'm up here trying to lift some weights. I've been getting a workout all day. This is pretty great. No, this is only five pounds, guys. I'm pretty weak. Uh, this is the first level of trust. I could probably hold this all day. This is what we call rules-based trust. Man, it's that we live in a society that has laws, that has rules, that has procedures that you have to follow. And so I can trust you to do those things because you're told to. This is what we call rules-based trust. Then there's another level, and it gets a little heavier. And that level is called knowledge-based trust. See, because as I start to work with someone, a coworker, as I start to get to know someone as a friend, as I start to get to know them, I start to know their character. And so it gets a little heavier. See, I start to trust them with little everyday things. Something simple, like when they ask me, how am I doing today? I don't just say, good. I go, it was really difficult to get the kids out today, but I'll be okay. And so I open up a little, but I don't open up a lot. I can trust them with little things, with minuscule, everyday things, but I can't trust someone with everything. But then we've got identity-based trust. This is the biggest level. And guys, this is the heaviest level, so we're going to see if I can do this. But this trust is based in, in trusting people, not just, not just with little things, not just with everyday things. Oh, goodness. But with the biggest things, right? Because you've got hopes and dreams and doubts and fears, and these are the people that you trust with those types of things. And not only that, but they've shown that they haven't betrayed you with these things, but I've got to be honest, guys. This weight is getting heavy. And even the strongest person whom you trust with these types of weights will not be able to hold it forever. My fingers are slipping right now. We'll see how long I can hold this. But I want you to understand something. 
All right, it's going down. Whew, feels good. God does not have any give. He does not have any weight that he can't hold. He does not have anything that you can't trust him with that he is trustworthy with. He has no limit. So, like, in life, I'm going to put this back up. Okay. God is this platform that does not move, that does not change, will not change, and has never changed. And he is a person who has shown himself to be of integrity, to be of history, and his motive is because he loves you. You can't find people like that in the world. I just want you to know that because you might be searching for it right now. You might be looking for something to fill you, and there's no one out there that is going to give you this type of trust and love that Christ does. But I'm answering for you why you should trust him. You have to answer if you will trust him. That's a decision only you can make. See, because trust is relying on yourself less and others more. So are you going to rely on God more? And, and I just want you all to know, I'm not just talking about people who have never accepted God into your life. I'm talking about people who have never trusted God with everything in their life. See, because you might know Christ, and you might think that you trust him, but do you trust him with everything? Right? When life's going well, do you trust him with what's going well? When life is going horrible, and if you're worried that the car you drove in today might not last tomorrow, are you trusting him with that? Are you trusting him with your finances? Are you trusting him with your career and where you should go? Are you trusting him with your family, which feels like it's falling apart and you don't know how to fix it? Are you trusting him with the biggest and most difficult challenges in life because he's not a God that gives out. He's a God who remains strong for forever. Because when we look at his history, when we look at who he is, we see a God has such great love for you and has such great strength to hold every weight that you think you could give him. He is a God of miracles. He is a God who can do anything he puts his mind to. And so what about those who've already followed Jesus? What about those who don't trust yet? What about those who feel like they can trust now? Well, I challenge every single one of you to stay in this series for the next four weeks. See, because we are talking about how can we trust God with our purpose? How can we trust God with our opportunities? How can we trust God with our failures? Man, how can we trust God, this is a kicker, when we don't agree? How can we trust him with these challenging and difficult things in our life? And so as we answer that question, I'm going to ask you all to do something. I want you all to take on what we're going to be calling the Jonah challenge. And if you're as bold to take this, I want you in your connection card to write Jonah. Now, hear what I have to say before you write Jonah. I want you to pray to God every day. And I'm not just saying pray to God every day. I'm saying I want you to get on your knees every day and say, God, I am going to trust you with the most difficult thing going on in my life. For me, I'm going to be real because I need to be real up here. I need to be an open book for you guys. It's finding friends who follow Christ as well. And it's making sure that my ministry doesn't become more important than my family, which is my first ministry. And so I've got to juggle these things. I've got to work through these things. And so I'm asking you every single day for the next 30 days for this series to say, God, I'm giving it up to you. I'm not asking you to just pray to God about it. I'm asking you to give it up to God. To trust God with truly the biggest,
biggest thing going on in your life right now, the most challenging thing going on in your life right now. And I can say this in confidence because it's said in Scripture, but God will not answer in Nolan Void. He is a God who will answer you. And he may answer you through an amazing miracle. We've seen such amazing things happen in this church. He will answer you through maybe a clear, obvious solution. And sometimes he'll just tell you you've got to wait right now and trust. And so listen to the voice of God. Give up everything to him. And I believe he's going to do amazing things, guys. Would you all pray with me? Father God, we have seen who you are. We have looked at your history. We have looked at your integrity, and we have looked at your motive. And it is impeccable. But God, if, if that was the only thing that was stopping us from believing in you, we wouldn't have any unbelievers. But God, I know that there's things in life, there's challenges in life, there's stuff that people are going through right now that just makes that difficult. It makes it difficult to say, I'm going to trust you with everything when I've always been the person in control of my finances. It's, it's, it's difficult to trust you with everything when I've always been the person who makes those big choices in life. But what happens if I were to give it up to you? Well, first I'd be obedient to what you're asking, which is trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Man, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, he will make straight your paths. And so, God, I'm putting my trust all in. I'm, I'm putting all my chips in, God, because I trust in you more than I trust in myself. And so would you challenge people, would you motivate people in this week to think about that or to do it or to act upon it to say that, God, I am all in. I'm going to trust you with everything, not just some things, but everything. Lord, you are good. You lived on this earth. You died on that cross, and you rose again. And so maybe we remember that, and maybe we challenge to trust in you more. In your wonderful and powerful name, amen.